Flashback, November 2004. A brand new radio station launched onto the World Wide Web. That station was WebmasterRadio.fm. Today, Webmaster Radio is one of the fastest growing internet media outlets in the world. The world. Webmaster Radio boasts one of the most respected talk radio lineups in the internet business world. Danny Sullivan, Chris Paul, Susan Brown, Jim Hedger, Barry Schwartz, Jeremy Shoemaker, Ryan and Jeffrey Eisenberg, Greg Nyland, Katie Kempner. We travel coast to coast to bring you the most extensive and detailed live coverage of the most high-profile trade shows in the world. Ad Tech, Search Engine Strategy, RSA, Webmaster World, DMA, Ecom Expo. And we have brought you keynote speeches and interviews of some of the biggest influential names in business today. Eric Schmidt, Andrew Hayward, Barry Diller, John Patel, Keith Barraza, and way too many others to mention. Our live programming and on-demand podcasting keeps the B2B world informed. We are Webmaster Radio and we're everywhere. Stand by for the hook. Welcome to the hook with Katie Kempner, Vice President of Agency Communications at Crisp and Porter and Bogusky, the most awarded advertising agency in the world. Every Tuesday at the intersection of advertising and PR. The Hook, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. Now, here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hello, I'm Katie Kemner. Today is Tuesday, February 6th, and you are listening to The Hook, where each week I talk to advertising, branding, and public relations insiders who are both leading and covering the industry. Hopefully, by listening to these thought leaders, you will find inspiration and new ideas and have some fun along the way. Well, today promises to be a lot of fun. In my uh, second annual Super Bowl special, I welcome back Stuart Elliott, advertising columnist for the New York Times, and later in the show, Ad Week editor-at-large, Barbara Lippert, who, who will be talking about the Super Bowl spots. So my first guest has been advertising columnist at the New York Times since May of 1991, writing the weekday advertising report, as well as other news articles and features. He is by far one of the most well-known and well-respected journalists the most well-known, respected journalist in the business, and it is my pleasure to welcome him back to the show. Hello, Stuart. Hi, Katie. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me on again. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. So, to jump right in, I mean, the Super Bowl, 30-second spots cost an excess of $2.5 million. 90 million viewers watched the game this year, if not a little more. Clearly, there's a lot of pressure on advertisers to make the, the best use of the time and their money. You think they, uh, they did well or they fell short this year? Well, I think, as always, it was sort of a mixed uh, performance. Some of the advertisers seemed to really uh, take advantage of their uh, moment in the spotlight, and I think a lot of uh, others, uh, if you pardon the expression, dropped the ball. So what were, just let's start off and tell me, what was your favorite ad, if you had one this year? Well, I'd have to say the, among the ones that I thought were the, the most effective and, and most uh, uh, eye-catching uh, would have to be the uh, Kevin Federline commercial for Nationwide Insurance. I thought the robot commercial for GM was good. Uh, I was very impressed with the two commercials for Doritos that were created by consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What else? Well, what else? Well, let's talk 
talk about the Doritos yeah. one because that was kind of interesting. I mean, can you explain a little bit about how um, what was happening with Doritos and how they had consumers uh, create the spots? Doritos uh, sponsored a contest which they called Crash the Super Bowl where they said that they would uh, uh, pick a commercial that consumers created themselves and rather than uh, what uh, was done in a couple other similar contests sponsored by uh, Chevrolet and, and the National Football League where they took a consumer idea and then gave it to advertising professionals to produce for the game. Uh, in the instance of Doritos, they uh, took the commercials that were made by consumers and, uh, and promised to run one of them on the game, and they actually wound up running two of them. Why do you think they did that, actually, just as a little side note? Uh, well, I think um, the, one, uh, the one story I had heard was that uh, the voting was, was so close uh, among the five finalist commercials that the, uh, the margin between the uh, first and second place spots was so uh, tiny that uh, they decided to go in and uh, um, run the second one also. The other thing I heard is that they thought that both, both of them were very good, and uh, since they already announced that they planned to run uh, all five of them on TV, uh, after the Super Bowl through the month of February and March, uh, maybe they felt that uh, uh, they would sort of seed that by uh, running two of the five uh, during the game. And what did you think of the one that won, the, the, the crash one? I thought, uh, look, for $20, $20 or whatever it was, <laughs> it cost them to make it. I thought that they were very well done. Uh, uh, the people involved, I think, in, in of the five finalists, I think three or four of the... Of the uh, Teams or individuals that were involved were in the uh, uh, film, are filmmakers or, or copywriters or have some peripheral relationship to the uh, uh, the business, but were not uh, actually uh, working at agencies or in the uh, advertising and marketing field. So uh, I think it was uh, absolutely fascinating and, and possibly uh, a sign of the times in terms of the uh, uh, ability of consumers now to uh, use technology not only to comment on advertising, but to actually make some of their own. Now, how do you th- I mean, th- that's a big risk for advertisers, don't you think? Because, I well, mean, it's a tra- one it's a tremendous person risk, can sort of understand what? the Doritos brand, why I guess people would argue that somebody else couldn't. Well, I, obviously, I'm sorry, it, it is a tremendous risk, and which is, I think, why both Chevrolet and the National Football League decided to take consumer ideas and then turn them <laughs> over to the quote-unquote professionals who then uh, created the commercials, uh, produced the commercials uh, in a uh, traditional glitzy Madison Avenue kind of way. Um, well, like the GM spot, for example. Could you describe the spot that won a little? Uh, the spot was created, the idea was uh, from a uh, young woman who uh, goes to college up in Wisconsin, and uh, her idea was to sort of turn the tables on the uh, traditional car commercial where you see... Uh, uh, women being uh, presented as sex objects, uh, as uh, babes that uh, come along with a, with a fast car, with a hot car. <laughs> uh, in, uh, in her commercial, uh, these uh, women are driving a Chevrolet through Times Square, and uh, these guys are so uh, excited, uh, uh, they're, so, they're so eager to get their hands on the car that they all run up to the car and volunteer to, to start cleaning it or washing it, and uh, they all take off their shirts and they all start... Uh, polishing the car where the, there are the three women inside the car are all, uh, all excited about that. And uh, at the, uh, there was a, a funny sort of exclamation point at the end of the commercial. There was a cameo from that uh, 
crazy New York character that, who's known as the, <laughs> naked, uh, cowboy the naked cowboy <laughs> was walking through the, the the commercial at the end. So, uh, like I said, the idea was uh, was hers, and then they uh, turned it over to the uh, Chevrolet advertising agency and a professional uh, advertising uh, commercial director to uh, to bring to life. So which one, which scenario then makes more sense? You know, letting consumers come up with ideas or actually letting them come up with the whole spot? Um, I mean, you know, I think it's going to, this is early days, and it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. But uh, I think, uh, like you were saying before, something like Doritos, where I think it, it's pretty uh, clear what the uh, the brand image is or the brand pr- promise or, or, or all that sort of uh, uh, highfalutin language. I think that's pretty obvious uh, uh, maybe you can have the consumers just do that directly, whereas something with a such as a car, where it's a little bit more complicated in terms of what they're trying to get across, in terms of the the selling points, and is it the brand or the car or the model or the or you know what what exactly they're trying to convey? Maybe that would be uh, uh, you know requires the intervention of professionals. <laughs> Well, let's talk a little bit about something which you actually wrote it about in your column today, which caused quite a bit of controversy during the game, and then even more so afterwards, the, the Snickers spot. Uh, yeah, there was a uh, commercial for Snickers that ran in the uh, game that uh, showed uh, two uh, guys working in a garage, I guess like mechanics, uh, and uh, they were uh, working under the hood of a car, and uh, one of them... Um, unwraps a Snickers bar and puts it in his mouth, and uh, he's still working on the car, so the, the candy bar sort of protruding from his mouth and his hand, you know, he's working with the, the tools with the car, and his uh, co-worker sees this and sort of leans over and starts to, to, to bite the Snickers bar from the other end. So in a uh, very lady-in-the-tramp <laughs> spaghetti kind of a moment, uh, they both sort of meet um, halfway, uh, halfway in the middle of the candy bar, and uh, and wind up kissing each other, and then uh, the um, the uh, that moment, uh, then um, they break up. They break apart, and one of them says to the other, uh, "We kissed. I can't believe we kissed." And the other one says something like, "Let's do something manly." And uh, they each rip open their own shirts and and pull hair off their chest. <laughs> and then uh, the uh, the commercial ended with a web address where you're supposed to go to a website where you could watch three alternate endings for the commercial and uh, also watch some uh, footage of uh, players from the Chicago Bears and Indianapolis Colts reacting to the, uh, to the original commercial. And then what happened with it, though? Well, what happened is if you went to the website, the alternate endings, uh, one of them, uh, the, uh, the men are so panicked by their uh, uh, kiss that they uh, start uh, gargling with uh, motor oil and antifreeze to, uh, to uh, I, guess, I imagine, uh, remove the taint of, uh, of, of what happened to them. Uh, in another one of the endings, rather than inflicting uh, injury upon themselves, they begin to, to beat each other up. Uh, one of them grabs a wrench and, and starts beating the other, and one takes the other one and shoves him under the hood of the car and starts smashing his head. Uh, and then the, in the third ending... A third guy comes in uh, and, in a very effeminate uh, way, uh, asks them if uh, if he can join in on the fun. And then the uh, the footage with the football players, uh, uh, I guess there were like six or eight players, and three or four of them uh, expressed their disgust at the original commercial to the fact the, the the joke of the two guys kissing at the end, uh, and uh, said how wrong that was and how disgusting that was. 
Well, not even going to, you know, what happened where people were upset about, you know, the, the commercial. Just talking about the afterlife of a Super Bowl ad. I mean, these days, isn't it true that, you know, in order for... Uh, a spot really to be considered successful. You need people to go to your website and spend more time interacting with your brand in order to consider it a success? Well, that was the, I guess that was very much the, the idea here, and that this is mm-hmm. a, good, uh, a good example of this sort of uh, philosophy now that the Super Bowl isn't the uh, end of your uh, uh, Super Sunday advertising campaign. It's only the, the start of it. And uh, in this instance, that was the uh, whole idea. They First, they had a... Uh, they had some footage up on, on a, a Snickers website where you, would, you could watch the first five seconds of the commercial, and then they promoted this uh, contest that was going to begin after the game was over. And then uh, after the uh, spot appeared, this other website went live, and that's where you can go and what went, could have gone to watch the other three endings and vote on which one you wanted to, uh, to see the commercial end with uh, the next time it ran on TV, which was supposed to have been next Sunday, I think, during the NASCAR uh, race. Which is now never, right? Which is now never, because based on the, uh, uh, not so much the response to the commercial, but the response mm-hmm. to the uh, other video clips on the website, uh, uh, the company that owns Snickers uh, said they're going to stop running the commercial, uh, and uh, which is going to take, I guess, a day or two to, to, to make that happen. But they immediately pulled down the website and... Uh, you can't watch the commercial or the other endings or see the uh, footage of the football players any longer. But can't, could you still go to YouTube or I, I don't know whether, those are, whether it's, I haven't had time to look to see whether the original spot and the other uh, clips are uh, up there or not. Now, let me ask you something. You, you mentioned the nationwide spot uh, with, with Kevin Federline, and um, something interesting about that spot was that Six days before the Super Bowl, Nationwide actually posted that spot and, and started showing it. I mean, yes, do you that's, think that's, that, you know, in the past it's always been the big, you know, lead-up to the surprise of what the spot's going to be? I mean, was this a smart decision? Did it increase the life of the commercial or, or take something away from it? Uh, I think that's a, that's a very good question. I think we're going to the, – the, the data w- are going to be poured over now to, to, just to answer whether that question yes or no. Uh, I think, uh, obviously, one of the biggest traditions in Super Bowl advertising has always been never reveal the commercial or never reveal the end of your ending of your commercial before the actual game. But uh, what Nationwide and what a lot of other advertisers are starting to say are, uh, are saying is that if the uh, goal is to get people online and to get them engaged with your brand, uh, there's nothing that wrong with uh, previewing your entire commercial uh, before the game. And uh, not only that, but have other uh, stuff up on the website. Uh, by the time of the game, Nationwide was offering ringtones, and yeah. uh, uh, there were like eight different versions of Kevin Fredline rapping the uh, Nationwide jingle that you could listen to, and uh, uh, there were MP3 uh, audio clips to download, and uh, all sorts of crazy stuff. So uh, uh, they uh, sort of uh, embraced the idea of... Uh, having a celebrity in their commercial and uh, sort of, uh, uh, you know, almost celebrate the commercial like it was a celebrity and uh, uh, went with this uh, unusual idea to uh, put it up early. And uh, some of the people I talk to say that uh, this may be happening more and more frequently now where, again, if your goal is to get people to engage with the brand and with the commercial and with the campaign 
for more mm-hmm. than just uh, one uh, one afternoon, uh, people might start to be doing this much more. Well, let me ask you about a couple more spots. Uh, what about a lot of people who I was watching the Super Bowl with a bunch of people and then afterwards looking at everyone talk about it, a lot of people like the Diamond Emerald Nuts spot with Robert Goulet. Uh-huh. I didn't get it. What did you think? Well, I mean, it's kind of a, there seems to be this sort of uh, school of advertising now with, uh, uh, the, with the, uh, the Kevin Federline commercial, I think with uh, – uh, some of the commercials that your agency did uh, for Miller Lite with uh, Burt Reynolds and uh, some of the other celebrities and uh, uh, Priceline and William Shatner. And I think uh, Emerald is trying to do the same thing with Robert Goulet, this sort of idea of celebrities who sort of kid their own perso- uh, persona, who sort of kid their own, uh, you know, in the case with Robert Goulet or William Shatner, they kid their own cheesiness and their own kind of cornball images and sort of uh, use that in kind of a... Uh, interesting, twisty kind of a way to uh, get people's attention. So the uh, the Emerald commercials had this uh, very bizarre premise that uh, Robert Goulet is, is is an evil person and he's going to come into your office and uh, and uh, and disrupt your work life if uh, if your uh, energy flags during the middle of the day. And the way to prevent Robert Goulet from coming uh, and wrecking your uh, career is to uh, is to eat uh, a handful of Emerald nuts at three o'clock in the afternoon. So, uh, <laughs> well, apparently not not anymore. So you're gonna have to go not with the Snickers. Emerald Nuts instead because the Snickers is, uh, is is off the web. So, uh, so also Emerald, the uh, Diamond Foods, the the company that makes Emerald, they also embraced uh, the whole thing. They put uh, uh, viral uh, videos up online before the commercial, uh, teasing it. They put uh, funny, uh, bizarre uh, little. Uh, Webisodes of uh, of uh, Robert Goulet doing uh, nefarious deeds, and then after the game was over, they put a lot more stuff on my website, including you can now go up there and uh, and uh, download a I think it's a PDF of a uh, of a of a mask of Robert Goulet, which you can uh, mount on cardboard and uh, cut out and uh, I guess wear on on Halloween. That's frightening. <laughs> <laughs> now that's scary. No, that's scary. <laughs> so let's let's move to like manly advertising. <laughs> One of the spots that I really didn't like, and I thought a lot of people would agree with me, and turns out that I guess I'm wrong, was the the spot that they actually showed twice for the Toyota Tundra truck. Uh huh. What did you think um, of that? I think you know the the there's a grand tradition in truck advertising. Uh, which would be the, uh, uh, as they used to say on the old Saturday Night Live skit, you know, Kia, key, I'm, 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 I'm mangling the Spanish, Kia Muy Macho, I think it was. And the, uh, the, uh, the idea is, you know, who can outmanly each other in terms of their truck being tough? And uh, in this case, there was uh, um, uh, a very kind of uh, Western vibe with a uh, laconic uh, but uh, tough-sounding uh, uh uh, cowboy type announcer uh, on the soundtrack, uh, uh, talking about the demonstrations that they had in the commercial of the uh, the feats of uh, strength that the uh, new Toyota Tundra truck can uh, perform. And uh, the, this truck is the one that Toyota is aiming squarely at the uh, heartland uh, Midwestern uh, Western uh, American uh, truck buyer, which is the uh, province of General Motors and Ford for so many years. So now, the Chuck idea is- Porter, 
uh-huh. who I talked to after the game, said he couldn't believe, well, he, he didn't like that spot, but he said he couldn't believe that it would run not once but twice, that this was the one, you know, was the one time where you knew people were going to be looking at your ads and the silliest thing to do. He actually used a different word. But the silliest thing to do would be to show the same spot twice. Do you agree with that? Well, they re- it was actually two different ones. In one, I think the, the, the thing went off, like almost went off a cliff. And then the other one, the, it went up a ramp and down another ramp or something. So. Uh, oh, I thought they uh, did the cliff one twice also. Maybe I'm... Maybe no, I'm, maybe I think they, they ran. It was, the two, it was two different commercials, two different points in the game, as opposed to, say, GoDaddy, which ran the same commercial twice. Exactly. Now, what did you think of the GoDaddy spot? Well, I, uh, it, it, that, that kind of thing really isn't my cup of tea, but, you know, what I thought was very strange was that um, maybe the reason they ran it twice was that it was just so frantic and so frenetic, packed into 30 seconds. You were supposed to see, I guess, all the, the, the fun and whatever it was that was going on inside that, that office, but it was, like, so... Uh, hurried and rushed, it was impossible to make out any of the celebrities, I, would, I thought. Maybe that's why they ran it twice, but they might have been better off just running it once and making it 60 seconds uh, so that people actually uh, could see a little bit more of what it was they were trying to, uh, trying to convey. That's a good point. You know, Stuart, I wanted to ask you something else. You wrote yesterday in your column yesterday about how no spot this year, as opposed to other years, directly addressed the Iraq war, but it seemed to linger right below the surface. Could you talk about that a little bit? Well, my, my thought was that this sort of national mood, this sort of because of the war, this sort of a, kind of a unusual national mood, and it sort of expressed itself in a, in a way that it does... Uh, you know, advertising is very much tied into the zeitgeist, where advertisers are always trying to sort of reflect where consumers are, maybe try to get a little ahead of the consumer, but also just sort of uh, reflect where people's moods are. So what you saw in the, in the commercials was uh, uh, a lot of violence and a lot of escapism, uh, a lot of sort of cartoonish kind of uh, antics and uh, uh, the... The Bud Light commercial where the one guy throws a rock at the other guy and uh, uh, a lot of chases. The, one of the Doritos commercials with the, uh, the car crash. Uh, there just seemed to be a lot of uh, uh, kind of uh, very kind of roadrunner, Bugs Bunny type violence only with human beings. The, the FedEx commercial where at the end the, the spaceman gets, uh, uh, he's killed by a meteor. Um, there just seemed to be some... Uh, kind of a, of a tone uh, in the ads, and, and some people I talked to were saying, well, it's the aim is to address younger men, 18 to mm-hmm. 34, who grew up playing video games. And uh, if you notice, one of the uh, commercials, the Coca-Cola commercial, started off as if it were a violent video game, but then it turned uh, around where the guy turns into sort of like a Pied Piper. He goes around handing out bottles of Coke to people, and uh, this sort of Sin City kind of... Uh, uh, atmosphere suddenly turns into this uh, happy, uh, happy, shiny place where everybody is uh, is dancing and singing together. Even the uh, the, ra- the rats from the street are all marching down the middle of the street, singing and dancing. Now, I I love that spot, but I think I've seen it before. That one wasn't made specifically yeah, for the not, Super Bowl. Yeah, it's not. You know, I it? mean, that there's a there's a myth about the Super Bowl that every commercial is brand new and has never been seen on Earth ever, ever. That's uh, right. That's the case in some instances, but with the uh, uh, Coca-Cola, for instance, uh, of the three commercials that they ran, 
two of them uh, have been either on TV or in movie theaters. And the third one, the Salute to Black History Month, uh, has been running in movie theaters, but they put a, a new ending on it to uh, salute the, uh, the two coaches in the game. I so, thought that uh, was a great one. Did you like it? Yeah, I liked it very, very much, and, and I liked them all three of them. And, uh, in fact, somebody said, again, if you're trying to leverage your uh, appearance in the Super Bowl, uh, if you're going to put things online and do all these other sort of promotions and events, maybe uh, this idea that you should uh, uh, premiere your spot for the first time during the game, maybe that's an old-fashioned kind of a uh, approach also. Maybe it's uh, time to, um, to rethink that as well. Well, you mentioned the um, the butt spot where the guy gets clocked with the rock, which I thought was so funny. <laughs> which somebody said is a ripoff of a spot from last year uh, that I think ran during halftime for Sprint, yeah. where a guy was showing off his phone to his friend, and he says, uh, you know, my phone has this security feature uh, to it. And the guy says, oh, really? What do you mean? And the first guy says, well, you know, come at me. And the friend uh, lunges for him, and he throws the, the phone at the guy's head. Which I also thought was really funny. <laughs> but what were your, you know, what were your one or two favorite uh, bud spots? I mean, there, you know, there were nine or there were ten of them this year. What were your your two favorite ones? I liked, um, you know, I'm a big sucker for the for the for the for the 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 the, the, the warm fuzzy kind of uh, ad. So I really love the one with the uh, the mutt who turns into a, uh, uh, you know, he jumps on the bandwagon at the end. There, he gets his day in the sun. Uh, after he has such a terrible day, he uh, you know gets mistaken for the Budweiser Dalmatian and gets to ride on the truck. I like that one. I thought the one with the crabs was really cute too. Uh, the auctioneer I thought was kind of cute, um, and um, I think that was it. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then. I guess uh, till next year. Thank you, thank you. Always great to talk to you, Katie. Thanks again. Thanks for coming. Bye-bye, Stuart. And when we get back, right after this very short commercial break, we will be talking to Barbara Lippert. Back right after this. Sit tight and don't move. The Hook will be back after this short break. Marketing payouts lacking green, leaving you seeing red? Get your business in the black with NeverBlueAds.com. Sign up with NeverBlueAds.com today and earn an additional $200 for the first $200 generated. Get ready to flash those pearly whites with unique campaigns, real-time stats, great personal service, and high payouts on time every month from NeverBlueAds.com. Results for advertisers, income for affiliates, everybody wins with a better marketing experience from NeverBlueAds.com. Know how to get the best return on your advertising dollar? Clicksore.com. Yeah, ever since we began marketing with more precise content, target technology from Clicksore.com, we've seen a huge jump in visitors converting to buyers for just over one-third of a cent per view. To get over 300 categories, unlimited keywords and ad placement on over 100,000 sites, click on Clicksore.com today. That's Clicksore.com. Your bottom line will thank you. Clicksore.com. Delivers where it matters for you. 3 a.m. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker. He types Hooker Escort Hookup into another local search engine's one-box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes. One click. Great results. 
Click Tracks, all new version 6. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web analytics programs on the planet. Dan Noyes, president of Zafolia.com, writes, Click Tracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what Click Tracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future into a fortune. Dishy Mix, the soap opera for the Internet Society. Susan Bratton dishes up delicious news and gossip while interviewing the glitterati of the Web 2.0 world. Dishy Mix, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, only on webmasterradio.fm. Wizards, rainmakers, rock stars, gorillas, and gurus. Webmasterradio.fm. Come visit our magical Webmaster Wonderland. We got a mouse, too. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Now back to The Hook. The intersection of advertising and PR. Only on Webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host. Welcome back. I'm Katie Kempner. Today we're talking about the Super Bowl ads, what worked, what didn't, and everything in between. Now it is my great pleasure to be joined by editor-at-large for Adweek magazine and frequent television and radio commentator Barbara Lippert. Barbara has appeared on many television shows as an ad commentator, including on CNN Morning Show, CBS Early Show, which she did just uh, yesterday, by the way, from here in Miami, Inside Edition, and Neil Cavuto on Fox News, and I'm sure I'm missing a bunch. Welcome, Barbara. Hey, Katie. No Neil Cavuto this year, by the way. <laughs> no Neil this year? No. Okay. Yeah. Well, how did, make, the, you know, how did the early show go? For the record. Well, <laughs> the early show was great. The segment was good. They were down in, in Miami, you know, broadcasting from the, the stadium. And it was like being like at a really bad summer camp, you know, when you got there because it was all mud and puddles and, you know, little golf carts going in the pouring rain. And, you know, the anchors were all pretty miserable sitting there in the wind. <laughs> and now I know why Katie Couric's hair looked the way it did. Sunday night when she sat there, because it was open, you know, open to the air, and it was raining. Well, my mom likes to tell the story of when I came down here to Miami to go to the University of Miami, we got off the plane, and my hair just did such a bizarre thing. I said to my mother, forget it, I'm not going to go to school here. Right, right, right. I can't possibly have my hair look like it. That's like the famous story of the kid who wouldn't get out of the car because he he saw someone with shoes, he did, you know, a kid with Birkenstock, so he wouldn't go to school there. Well, we felt, I, I speak for this, for the people of Miami that we felt terrible it was raining. My friend Kim, we were at a little party at her house. She just kept saying, this is reflecting so poorly on Miami. But well, uh, I think it, I think yeah, it was it out of our control, you know, kinda, the whole rain thing. Yeah, it was bad. You know, the cameras needed windshield wipers. And, it, you know, it, I'm sure it affected the outcome of the game. But there were always these last-minute things that you just can't factor in. You know, like that. That's like life. weather. But what, what I don't you understand, do? and I'm so, sure. I'm sure what did you think about the spots this year? Were they better than you expected? Were they worse than you expected? About the same? Um, much worse than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually say, you know, there's this, all this huge hype going into it every year, and there's more this year because of all the various outlets that you could see the spots on, you know, on the internet. But. Um, I usually say, you know, that, that it's all hyped up, and then afterwards they usually suck, but there are one or two that were really 
great that you remember and you want to talk about. Here this year there there weren't one or two I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was it was such a good year. And then there were some that were so awful, like the sales genie spot. I, I thought that was a joke. I thought it was a parody, also because there were several parodies. Like the, you know, the um, the the Garmin one was very expensively made to look bad, and I thought that the sales genie one was going to be a joke, also. But um, you know, like like the phone one about you know. Uh, Anyway, they claim that they've already had enough sales to justify the cost of it, and they're thrilled. And I guess really? what, it, what that is is that they don't care about doing anything with you know, interesting, creative, or any level of production. They just wanted their point to get across very simply, um, cause those were the, and that's what they did. <laughs> and there you have it. Yeah. What, what about the career builder spots? I mean, in the past, they've had some very popular spots. I think the Super Bowl certainly helped, or if not, you know, gave them huge visibility where they hadn't had it when they initially started out. What did you think of their spots this year? Well, uh, you know, I never was that crazy about the monkeys, but suddenly I love the monkeys. I think they were genius. I wish they were back. And um, the the career builder spot sort of fit the theme this year, which was men, muni- you know, um, beating on each other, you know, beating yeah. the crap out of each other, hacking away at each other, causing pain, causing humiliation. I'm not sure if it had something to do with, like, the fact that there's this, there's this underground emotion, you know, that we're all being lied to about Iraq and the war in Iraq or something, and so we're just little boys who, if you can't take your clothes off, then you just hit each other for attention. Um, but it was the same thing with the Budweiser spots. There was so much violence in them, you know, with the rock, paper, scissors, the guy getting the rock in the eye, and then the slapping one, um, you know, that I was like, I was, you know, really missing the cleavage. <laughs> I was you know, we, we were, just have, I don't you know, know why, it seems like if they can only be sex, was so funny. <laughs> they can only be sex or violence, so let's, you know, go back to the sex. What about the um, the Bud spot with uh, the, the language course? Some people really like that, and some people... Well, you know, I thought when I saw it, I thought it was really, really racist. And then, of course, it turns out that it was made by a Hispanic agency because, yeah. you know, for I guess for white liberals, if you want to see the most racist, you know, use of stereotypes in ads, it's it's they're made by the black and the Hispanic agencies. I don't know why it's a hot button to get into, but you know, I thought that having Carlos Mencia teach a class of you know Hispanics who just got here only how to ask for beer, you know, is slightly racist, but they all thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, they did. Well, let's go to violence, because less controversial. Talking that's going to help immigration but, a lot, you know, I, to show a class of Hispanics learning only how to say, please give me Budweiser. Right. Yeah. But what about um, the King of Pharmaceuticals? I mean, what did you think of that spot? The, for men who can't empty their bladders? Yeah. Or have to go too often. Well, here's the thing: everybody's talking about the genius of the creativity, and that it, it achieves the high mark, and you know they, it sets new standards. And then, you know, the one of the earliest commercials out of the box is about how um, you know it, it, you have incomplete emptying. You know, it's like I don't understand. I guess it's the most. You know, the anomaly of the Super Bowl is 
Everybody says the 30-second spot is dead, that advertising has to go elsewhere. And meanwhile, you have more viewers than even last year here. You had almost 90 million viewers at one time. So to reach all those male eyeballs at once, where people are really watching and watching for the commercials, is amazing. So I guess it, uh, someone like Slomax belongs on it. But I think that they, they're so limited in what they can say and how they can say it that it's really embarrassing. Yeah. For people watching and for them. Yes, yes. <laughs> what about the uh, the promos with David Letterman yeah, with I don't Oprah really like and then the Martha Stewart issues issues one? Of the ma- Wait, I just want to say I just don't like getting into issues of the male prostate at my parties, but that's me. <laughs> that's you, Barbara. You know, yeah, I know. I'm just funny that way. That. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the David Letterman Oprah one was so great, and I heard that he actually wanted to get Rosie and Donald Trump together, and they wouldn't do it. And so he did it with Oprah, and it was so fitting because it's Indianapolis. And when it opened, you know, the way he was talking so close to the camera, I almost didn't know who he was. Um, and I thought they were both, you know, they both acted it so artfully, and the way she just fit into the crook of his shoulder that way and snuggled, I mean, it was hilarious. And what about the Chad Johnson Super Bowl party one with Martha Stewart? Yeah, I thought that was unexpected and very funny, too. Yeah. Um, one that I was slightly disappointed in was the, you know, the NFL user-generated one. It sounded like a great idea, you know, and it, was, it, and it came out of, you know, a lot of good ideas, and they chose that one. But I think they over, and then Joe Pitka directed it, I think he overproduced the hell out of it or something because no one noticed it. You know, that's true. Nobody's really been talking about that one. Yeah, and I think that you, the, the idea of the story just didn't come across just because, you know, you didn't know what you were looking at. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. Yeah. What What did you think about the FedEx, the, the, the moon setting? I, I mean, thought the was, moon... Did you think it was as good as last year? Oh, I thought it was terrible. Yeah. Um, I, the way it looked, uh, I mean, I just couldn't get into it at all. Last year was, was brilliant, if you recall. It was the caveman, and he's going to his caveman boss who doesn't care that, he, you know, that FedEx hasn't been invented yet because he can't get there. And as he steps out of the cave, he's stepped on by a dinosaur, you know, and that was like a totally unexpected button and a big laugh. So this year they had the same thing with a guy getting killed by a meteor. And uh, it just didn't work because you weren't interested up until that point. The second FedEx spot with the people with the names, yes, okay, Mr. Turkey Neck, I thought that was very smart and funny, um, although it was very much like an ad that Citibank did with names also. Well, and now, that's another the thing, ad that's that another I thought this year is it was like everything was so derivative of other things you've seen already. Yeah. Is it because there's just not that many original ideas left? I don't know. I think there are a lot of original ideas. I don't know. I guess, you know, some desperation sets in at the end. Um, I don't know. What about the but, GM but, robot? Katie, I wanted I mean, to ask you, though. In a lot of ways, it was an interesting ad, but it, it seemed to me to be pretty insensitive. Which one? The, the robots in the row? Oh, with the GM ad. Well, there again, you know, some people are saying that it's ripped off of some movie, but I think, you know, if GM wants to do really creative ads that look great, great. These ads did look wonderful, but it just makes no sense for a dying company where people have bad feelings about the, you know, the quality of the cars to show a suicidal robot. You know, it just it's just too complex an idea. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Now, what did you think about the uh, the halftime show with Prince in the real thought, in the real rain? He was great. I yeah. thought it was the best halftime show ever. What do you think? 
I thought he was terrific. I couldn't, I really couldn't believe, I thought to myself, you know, I wonder if he's going to be good or if he's just going to be kind of prima donna because it's raining. And Yeah, well, he I did have that thing on his head to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't blame him, knowing, you know, how exposed it was there. But I thought that the pregame show with Cirque du Soleil and Romero Brito, that was kind of bizarre. Well, it reminded me of the intro to the Olympics. You know, with the you know the lady with the light up breasts, you know, <laughs> um, um, you know, embodying the nurturing side of the globe, you know, that sort of thing. Ooh, you know, you, if you want to pay to go to Vegas, go, but don't you know make me suffer through this. Well, you know, the timing was, well, of course, I'm sure that the timing on the one side was smart, but that morning, Sunday morning, there was an article in the New York Times about how some people think that Romero Brito is such a wonderful artist and other people think he's just so commercialized and he makes so much money every year. And then to see his stuff all over, I happen to like his stuff. You know, he's a very big part of Miami and he makes people feel happy, but it just was funny to talk about being commercialized right there at the beginning of the Super Bowl. I know, I know, and I guess they were going for some sort of an elevated thing, but, you know, I, I didn't like it. I can't stand his stuff. Well, let me, let's talk about the Sierra Mist campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, some people liked it this year, Sometimes, some others didn't. There were three spots, I guess. Well, there were three spots originally that they sent out to the press in advance that were going to run, and then at the very last minute they ran two Doritos instead, you know, two of the winners of the Doritos contest, two finalists instead of one. They so were, they then they run, only ran so two. They, run, they ran the beard comb over one, and then the karate class. Right. right. So they only ran two of three, and the other, you know, the other thirty seconds went to another Doritos ad. What about the beard comb over one? Did you think that one was funny? I did. You know, I, against my better judgment, I laughed. Again, I said it was like the Skittles one. There was this very weird, do you remember the commercial with a guy being interviewed for a job, and he had this beard that sort of, you know, was a, it moved on its own, and it started tickling the female interviewer? Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so it sort of reminded me of that, but, you know, of it, it didn't, you know, it kind of didn't go anywhere. It was a visual sight gag, and I thought the uh, the roller skates and the shorts were truly scary. But <laughs> I thought it was funny. I, I like that troupe. You know, I like their improvisational humor. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I thought that was memorable. I didn't like the karate one that much. No, you didn't like that one? No. I mean, I thought it was kind of stupid. What about, I mean, we were talking a little bit before about violence. An ad that I thought was just kind of weird and definitely violence, violent was the uh, E-Trade robbery one. I know. I really didn't like any of the E-Trade ones and give them the finger. You know, I just thought it was crude. Yeah, it was weird. Can you talk a little bit about them, describe them a little well, bit? Well, I actually didn't see the, rob- the, the robbery one, but one of them is, you know, I just remember it's just about, you know, one stands for, and, and, and one stands for what you can do with your finger. Yeah. And um, I don't know, it's just the whole tone was very passive-aggressive, hostile, crude, and rude. And... I think that, you know, sort of was the tone for the Super Bowl this year. And I was going to get into this, Katie, before, which is what is going on here? It's sort of like being lied to about the war, you know, and feeling feeling like that, you know, you were lied to and feeling bad that every year everybody says the commercials are going to be great and then everybody watches them and they're awful. And it, and somehow every year the clients are talked into spending 2.6, 2.7, you know, ever-escalating dollars of doing this. Where is it going to end and what's going to happen if the quality is so bad? I mean, I think, 
it, you know, the Super Bowl itself is such an anomaly because everybody watches, but I think we're at some kind of critical moment where something has to happen, especially well, with a, all the user-generated stuff. That's an interesting What do you stuff. think will happen? Um, I don't know. With the user, what do you think the effect of the user-generated stuff on agencies is? That, that I think the effect is that agencies will start having lots of contests. You know, basically the user-generated stuff, like the Dorito spot that was made for $12.79 that ran in a $2.6 million, you know, slot, I think that they're very expensive um, job interviews, you know, because basically everybody who does those spots, they're not amateurs. They want to work in advertising. They're film students or marketing students. So it's a new way of getting a job in advertising. <laughs> Yeah. But it's a difficult one. You know, I think in, I think I was talking about this with Stuart. I think that for some user-generated things where the product is easily definable and recognizable, it'll probably make a lot of sense. And for other things where, you know, the brand is much more difficult to put your finger on, it would probably be a lot harder and not as smart a move for, for a company true. to, to go that I way, think, you know? I think that's why the Doritos thing went so well, because, you know, it's, what, $3 a bag, and people are used to eating them, and they really do have profound thoughts about them, and they really <laughs> do get involved with it. Um, whereas even selling a Chevy, you know, that could cost 18000 or 20000 um, you know, that, that's a hard thing to describe, and it's individual. But I thought it was interesting, you know, with these college kids um, attempting to do the Chevy commercials, many of the ideas were just downright awful, just really, really terrible. So, you know, I was relieved that the end idea wasn't that bad. And that, I guess, in a way, you know, was a little, not a little different because the ad agency actually made the spot based on the, you know, the... Yes. Yeah, so it wouldn't look bad. But, you know, the whole charm of the Doritos was that it was so cheaply made, you know, that the guy couldn't even afford a dolly and, you know, they used his wife and they used roller skates. And, um, and you know, that was the charm of it. And so I think, you know, in terms of, you know, expressing the zeitgeist and expressing some authenticity, then the Doritos contest was really the one that, you know, typified this new user-generated content thing because that commercial that won Crashing the Super Bowl um, really looks like it came off of YouTube. I liked the other one, the, the second one that they decided yes. to show at the last minute. Yes, I liked it too, and it really sold the product, and that actress is great about, you know, Carbonero! Ah! <laughs> Heidi! Habanera! Well, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit um, about the buzz and, you know, the way that, I mean, you, you raised a very interesting point with the, with the spots costing more and more and more money. Mm -hmm. What are advertisers getting and how much are they going to pay? You know, is there any sort of cap to this? But I think one of the things that they're considering now is, is the afterlife of the Super Bowl ad and, and really actually the pre-life in a way because whether or not people know what the ad is, you know, they're talking about they're going to have an ad, they're going to have an ad, then you see it. It's posted that's on right. websites, discussed on blogs. And that's I mean, why, that's, you know, this, this, you know, sort of user-generated um, thing really pays off, too, because it gets so much attention beforehand. And if you've gone on the, you know, the sites to vote, then you feel like you have a horse in the race and you're watching for the commercial and yeah. that you're an insider. So, it, you know, it's rings and rings and rings of more people who are involved and interested, and that's exactly what user-generated video is supposed to do is, which, you know, get the consumer involved. Um, so that's true. People are getting their money's worth because they will have an afterlife on the Internet. But although any spot can have an afterlife on the Internet, if it's good, you know, it'll end up on YouTube. And, it'll, and if you have a site, you know, people will go there. 
Yeah, that's you're definitely right. But now this year, another thing happened is that they were trying to. Uh, some advertisers tried to bring phones into it. Um, what do you mean? Oh, you mean that you downloaded to your phone? Yeah, or that you could rate. Uh, Anheuser Busch had it something where you, it allowed you viewers to rate its ten commercials on their yeah, phones. Yeah, you know, this year. we're going to be. My worry is that we're going to be so busy voting for like which ending of the Snickers and which new Alka Seltzer jingle we like that you know we'll forget to vote for president. <laughs> That's a concern. <laughs> because you know we really could be doing like ten contests a day at this rate. Well, and then I guess there must be a place where a consumer says, enough already. I have other stuff to do. I have to go vote for the president, and I don't exactly. have time to decide. Yeah, well, I think I haven't fed my baby in four days. You guys you know? Yeah, or, yeah, I haven't fed my baby in four days, or, oh, God, I have a job. <laughs> yeah. So I noticed on on your, your blog you talked about uh, the Taco Bell spot. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, you know, the other thing is I, the problem with blogging, and it was really my first, you know, my first uh, experience with it, is that you can't really watch the commercials too well if you're blogging at the same time. You know, it doesn't work out. But uh, the pregame Taco Bell spots I had talked about because there were these guys, you know, these, these lions on the, on the veldt somewhere in Africa looking over at the carne, what, what, carne asada, and talking in these surfer dude voices, you know, and I was thinking, I'm so tired of these surfer dude voices for everything in advertising, you know, that is animated, that has a voice, you know, from babies to tires to a lamp to, you know, lions, you know, it was so inappropriate for the lions, but apparently later the big joke was that one of the lions tried to do the Ricardo Mandelbahn, and that was very funny. Exactly. So at least that sounds a little more like a lion. Now, if what about I the Honda the spot, the, the spot? Did you see that one? I don't think they actually made that one for the Super Bowl. Did you see it? Uh, the Ricardo Maltzbon one? No, the Honda CRV one. Oh, well, no, I missed what you said because I keep talking over you. <laughs> Stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about the Honda CRV spot, and it, in the case of that, it wasn't created for the Super Bowl. They probably ran it at the last minute. Do you think in that case it's worth the money for Honda? Well, what was that spot? It was just the CRV, a silver car, you know, going around in a circle or moving a little bit as music was playing. Yeah, I mean, I think if people are interested in Hondas, you know, they will have noticed it, and more people than ever will see it at once on the Super Bowl. And it was decent. It wasn't terrible. I was surprised, though. It seemed to me that the Snapple one, everybody talked about Snapple being on the Super Bowl for the first time ever, and I thought that was an old commercial. It didn't look to me like it was new. Oh, really? I liked that yeah. commercial. But I thought it was kind of sweet. Yeah. But the thing is, like, most people don't know, you know, what's run before and what hasn't. So That's true. If it's a good commercial, I think that's the most important thing. It's very inside baseball in a way. Yeah. yeah. So what did you think of uh, the Cheryl Crow spot, the Revlon spot? Well, I'll be interested to hear what you think, too, because I thought it was awful. I mean, you know, I can appreciate that they wanted to do something different, and it's not like the four women in beautiful light, you know, standing there, and that it was supposed to be like a reality show or, you know, follow her on the road, but I just did not get it. I just felt like, what did it offer? It didn't offer her singing. You know, it only offered, like, you know, one note or something, and then you have to go someplace and find it. And it didn't offer, you know, any of the beauty insights. I just didn't think it worked. Well, I agreed with you. I thought it was kind of an odd placement for for the spot anyway. I mean, well, in the middle like, of the Super Bowl, it yeah. just seemed weird. 
Well, I like the counterintuitive idea of, you know, women are watching also, and it's certainly not the first spot aimed at women that has run. Over the years, there have been lots of them, including the Dove last year. Oh, did that run during the Super Bowl? Yes, yes. And, and before that, in the age of the Internet, you know, there are lots of websites aimed at women that advertise. Remember that horrible one for the um, stationary.com with the brides? And right. um, I think Oxygen took a commercial one year in the Super Bowl. What <laughs> I don't know, you know, I, I didn't hate I didn't hate it, but I didn't really get it. I mean, I like Cheryl Crow, and yeah, I mean, I th- was it the first part of following her on tour, or you know, I didn't think the 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 um the the joke with the colorist was that funny. Yeah, I don't know. I, just, I, I mean, I think they're totally being honest. I think they're being honest that you know professional people use you know stuff that's not Revlon. There, um, but there were a couple of spots this year with celebrities also. Besides the Cheryl Crow spot, there was this, the T-Mobile spot with uh, Dwayne Wade and Charles Barkley. Well, there's a spot that's not new. I've seen that many times, and I yeah. think it's a great spot, but it's not new. And what about the spot? Well, here's a spot that I didn't think really made that much sense, the Jay-Z spot. Yeah. Um, what was that? I, I kind of missed it. <laughs> I don't know. He, he it was. I guess it was one of the bud spots, and he was playing um, like a game. I don't. Let's not even talk about it. If you okay. Didn't see yeah. It, I, I can't. can't I can't go into it. specifics about that either. Yeah. Um, a lot of them. Yeah. It was just like another day on cable TV for a lot of the spots. They were just so not compelling. So, do you think that consumers learned anything? Not consumers. Do you think that advertisers learned anything this year that they'll be able to use going forward for next year's Super Bowl? Well, I think that everybody's so busy justifying. You know, you can always find one poll where your spot was liked, or one way of reading the audience so that you got what you needed from it. You know, and 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 agencies will desperately be covering their asses on that. Um, I don't know. Every year people seem to be unhappy, but every year the next year it's the same thing. It's it's sort of, you know, this, <laughs> and then like in a rock escalation, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's insensitive to compare it to war and death, but um, <laughs> but the you know the sort of being lied to idea. Well, will you come back next year so we can look at those spots too? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Barbara. I had a great time talking with you. Okay. Thank you so much, Katie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's all we have time for. Thanks for listening. Please join me next Tuesday for another edition of The Hook with Katie Kempner. Have a great day. Bye-bye.